Come on. <laughs> but I want you just, if you would, because there's distinct persons, person of the Holy Spirit, person of Jesus, the person of the Father. And I'm hoping that you're beginning to sense this time because, you know, all of you know when Daddy walks in, everybody pays attention. There's an awareness. There's a weightiness, if you will. So be mindful of that in these next 14 days, 12 days. Amen. So for anyone who's tuning in, uh, not from the beginning, <clears throat> we just welcome you to be with us as we're here. Um, Father, I ask you to pray over your word uh, that it not return void today. And we thank you for your anointing and your presence in this season of your fall feast. We are so excited to worship. We are so honored to have you in such a special way in our midst and in these temples, as Pastor just spoke, because you're, you're tabernacling with us, Lord, inside our hearts, on the altars of our hearts. And so we, again, we just bless you today. We ask you to bless your word. May our spirits be, be open. May the seedbed of our hearts be tilled so the seed of your word that you speak to us in this season will take root and it will grow and become mighty in your hand. Jesus, we pray in your name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here with us. Amen. <clears throat> so really, I, this will be quick. This is a very deep subject, as some of you almost went to sleep on me last week. Uh, what I want to say is don't let a spirit of heaviness come on you, because when I told Lonnie I was sharing with him last night, it literally, we'd been talking, he was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, like a little bunny. And when I, we started talking about this subject, a spirit of heaviness, remember when Jesus asked him to go out to the garden and pray with them? He just started falling asleep. I'm going like, I'd, I'd been talking less than three minutes. And I go, you're dozing. You're falling asleep. He goes, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. And then he, it would keep happening. So we prayed. And we prayed that spirit of heaviness off. And I, I pray that off of us in these days. See, the enemy is coming to distract you. He's here to be oppressive. Do you remember that scene? How many of you have seen The Passion of the Christ um, in that first uh, scenes in the garden and, you know, the eerie music and, you know, the snake crawling around? But you could just feel that oppression of heaviness that was coming upon Christ before he was to do the greatest. The gift from heaven was about to give. The gift of mercy salvation and atonement for our sins. And so as we're in these holy seasons, God is here to give us new revelation and new understanding. And I pray for us to have that so these things will deep sink deep in our hearts. There's some revelation that I haven't shared with you before and a couple of points I want to make with you. Um, Pastor and I decided yesterday with the anointing of the Lord, 
that we're going to have a Bible study um, this fall or winter because you need to understand if how many are no how many know that Jesus is coming soon? How many are sensing that? If he isn't, how many of us are praying that he come soon, Lord Jesus? You know, it is the spirit and the bride in Revelation. It speaks about the bride of Christ, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. And we have this yearning with us, and and we're yearning along with all of creation to be set free uh, from the curse that has been upon the land and upon upon us for so long. Um, So... So let's press into that. Don't let that spirit of heaviness come on you. Cast that off. If you start getting dark or thoughts or things gloomy, if you fight any fight this week, you kick that one out the door. And you you overcome that, okay? Because no matter what's getting you down, I'm not saying that there aren't real issues in our lives. I'm I'm not saying that. But I'm saying they're passing away. They're not going to mean a thing. We had a saying in our house, is this, is this going to matter to me in five years? It might be outrageous, but is this going to matter to me in five years? And most of the time we can say no. And we put it in perspective. you know. And we go, no, and my God is able. He can do all things, and nothing is impossible for him. And if this is a trial of my faith, then so be it. Let me ace, let me get an A plus on this test. Amen? Because I don't want to take this test over. Amen. So I don't want to get too off track because I want us to hone in. Oh, what was I gonna say? Oh, the Bible study. We're going to be teaching on the laws of the second coming of Christ. Because if you don't know the laws of God that apply to it. And much of church and Christianity do not know the laws of God. Remember when Jesus came, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. What did he say? I came to fulfill it. And he he fulfilled. Remember after Passover on the road to Emmaus, the guys were walking along, Jesus shows up, they don't recognize him, and they're moaning and groaning about everything that's just happened. And And he's like, don't you know what's going on? And then he talked to them. He talked to them on the road to the inn as they were walking. And he took them back to all the old five books of the Old Testament, the books of the prophets that had prophesied and declared. And these laws are laws that God gave them. And he said, these all prophesy of me. I, I came to fulfill these laws. If we don't know them, we could miss some of the greatest events that will be coming in the history of mankind, like many missed at Passover when Jesus became not the lamb that they were slaughtering that day, but he became the Passover lamb. Did you know that you, you may say, well, I don't know much about the feast. Yes, you do. If you have salvation in Christ, You've experienced Passover. 
He died on the cross for you that you might find salvation, that you would believe upon him and you would be saved and you would be delivered like we heard earlier in that testimony. You experienced the beginning of Passover in your life. Jesus, the Passover lamb. And then we know, we studied last week, that Pentecost comes 50 days after the, resurre- uh, the, the end of uh, Passover. And we know that was fulfilled in man's experience too. Remember? They'd been celebrating it for millennia the same old way. And suddenly Jesus said, wait and tarry. Hold up in Jerusalem. I'll be back. But you guys go over to Jerusalem and go to the upper room and wait. Wait. Wait from power on high. And the wind blew. And it came in. And suddenly the fire of God was resting on their heads. And the Holy Spirit. So they'd had salvation just a week before, talk about trials and testing they were still going through. They still were kind of clueless on what was happening because they'd been celebrating these feasts in whatever way they'd been celebrating them. Now they're being fulfilled in their own personal experience. It was amazing. And you've experienced Pentecost. If you've been saved and you've received the baptism that that John was telling Jesus is coming to baptize you with fire. And we've been baptized by Jesus. We've participated and had a Pentecost, Feast of Pentecost moment, okay? So that leaves the fall feasts, the great feasts and the laws of God. These all were God's appointed times. And he's, many think they're the feasts of the Jews. Guys, that's not true. Nowhere does it say that. It says, these are, the Lord says, these are my feasts. These are my appointed times. And he said they were open. He made a declaration at that time that even the Gentiles, any mixed multitude that was with them, were open to participate in these. Way back when Moses was around. So I want you to know, you don't have to be Jewish. To, win, to really get the fulfillment of this, okay? We get these mindsets, don't we? Because we don't know and we see. No, it's not about that. It's about Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And the fulfillment of them coming to dwell in mankind. So I've told you these things before. So the fall feet start with several days in a row. And these feasts, just as the Passover was with Jesus' first coming, that he finished that work, he's coming again. And he's coming to do a second work. Sometimes we think it's finished, it's over, he's not doing anything. But, but you know, we get these ideas in our minds, and we have to, like, erase that because he's coming back and he's got a lot of work to do. <laughs> he's going to do a work in all of mankind. He's setting up a millennial reign. He's going to be here for a thousand years amongst humanity. And he, will, he has the ability to go between this, this heaven, the first heaven, which is earth, and going up through into the heavenlies. We talked about these things. The fall feasts begin with the Feast of Trumpets. 
And we read in Leviticus 23, I'm giving you the references. If you're taking notes, go and read those. I read all of those, and you guys were sleeping on me. But take the time so you familiarize. God said, these are my feasts, and I want you to come three times a year before me forever. They are perpetual statutes. That's perpetual laws. It didn't change when we went from B.C. to A.D. It didn't change when Jesus died. He came to fulfill these, and just as he did, we're to walk through and fulfill them in our own life experience. So it starts with the Feast of Trumpets, and we know that someday in the future, though that Feast of Trumpets represents the resurrection of the dead that the apostles and Jesus told us about, the first resurrection. And then, ten days later, while the people are walking around that have been risen from their graves, the overcomers, there are ten days of awe. That's what they celebrate today, the ten days of awe. Believe me, there will be lots of awe going on. Shock. But there will be great repentance. It's a day for ten days to repent and humble yourself before God. And then we come, that brings us to, on the 10th day, the Feast of Atonement that we just recently celebrated and um, continued that anointing uh, is still with us here today as we wait and we get ready to start the final seven days and then the last great day. So I want to stop a little bit on atonement because we just met Friday night. We didn't talk about this. In Leviticus 16, I want you to write it down and read it. But I'm going to tell you the story. The Lord told me, tell it like I would just tell them. And I'm giving you the reference. This is your, this is your duty. So I'm going to tell you what happened. On the Day of Atonement, on the eve, as we met here Friday, they would prepare the sacrifice. There were two goats that would be presented to the priest. They'd be looking for two goats that were as identical as possible. Sometimes you get twin goats. I used to raise goats, and we had a set of twins, and they were identical. So they would be looking for twin goats, okay? They're very much like the other. Just a point of thinking about this. Because we know that Jesus was the Passover lamb, and he died to forgive us. But here we have a fall feast. Let me tell you, atonement is everything about mercy and forgiveness. It is all about mercy and forgiveness. So we have a spring feast of Passover that he died for our sins. He took our sins upon him. But there is another manifestation he will be doing when he comes back, when he returns at his coming. And we'll talk about that in a moment. So there were two twins. Well, these if you've ever seen a goat, they're adorable. I loved my goats. They took lots. How could you choose? One was going to die. It was going to become the Lord's goat, and it was going to be offered as a sacrifice. 
the other was going to re remain alive. Just think about these two concepts. One dies, one remains alive. The first, so they would cast lots, and the first one that came out was which one would be for the Lord. And then that, that, that goat was taken, and it was slaughtered, and they took the blood first, and they put it in the uh, container that they carried it in. And the high priest would go into the tent of meeting. So there was an outer court area, and then there was the tent. And inside the first area was the candlestick, a giant one that looked kind of like that miniature one right there. There was the altar of incense, kind of a square box, golden. And then over here on the right was a table with loaves of bread on it. It was called the table of showbread. And there was a loaf of bread, 12 loaves. 12 is a very amazing number, but I'm not here to teach on that today. But each loaf represented each tribe that was represented there, the 12 tribes. The priest would take it in, and the first place he went, he went through the holy place, and then there was the curtain. And behind that area was the holy of holies. They went in there one time a year. They had prepared. They had prepared because that's where the presence of God was. Sitting upon an ark that looks much like this. I don't know if you guys can see it on the video, but that's a, our replica of this golden ark with two angels and cherubim. It was called the mercy seat. And the priest would go in and he would dip in and he would sprinkle the blood first from that goat on the mercy seat. And then he would sprinkle it down in front of it. And when he was done, and I'm sure he was shaking in the power and the presence of God, he backed out, he backed out, went back through his way, and then he turned. And then he went through the holy place and he went back out to the outer court. He made atonement as he got into the holy place. What that was exactly, we don't know. We have writings, historians. We've gathered information. I've studied these subjects for over 30 years, since I was maybe 20 years old. So it's definitely more than 30 years. <laughs> okay, okay, don't do the math. But anyway, I'm just saying, kids, don't do the math. But a long time, a long time, I've just cried out to know the revelation of God and about these feasts and about his return, and, and many others have. And so we, you know, there are some fine writers and scholars. So atonement comes, and he comes out, and then they take the, the, lamb, the uh, goat who died, and they sacrifice it. And he's put on the burning altar that's out there, the big one. And the priest goes up the slope, and they put the animal in. And now it is sacrificed before God as a pleasing aroma to him. And now that nobody's died, and it seems that God has accepted these offerings, there's the other goat, the one that's alive, the one that was identical to that one. 
And they take the goat, and the priest then, as he's gone before God, and they've humbled themselves, he lays his hands on the head of the goat. It's the first writing in the New Testament that shows us the principle of transference. And this is a core principle you need to know. I'll just give you a quick look. This wasn't on the list. But when we lay hands on people, we lay hands on people for healing, to transfer healing, right? Blessing, anointing. So this is it where in the Bible it first tells us God instructing and this transference. In this case, it was to transfer all of the sins and the iniquities of every of over two million people that were gathered there to celebrate this day and to transfer their sins and iniquities upon it. Now, remember, the first goat released mercy, forgiveness, atonement for our sins. That sounds like enough. That's what Jesus did at Passover. We're covered by the blood of the Lamb. Our sins are covered. But as Jesus is a type of these two goats, as he is the Lamb, so again... On atonement, we have a double sacrificial life, mercy, goodness. And then we have this other goat who is, remains alive and is taken out after they've put the, put the sins on it. And he, the priest leads it over here. And it says, when you read... Now, you guys read Leviticus 16. It says he is taken to a man that is waiting. And they take him over to this man. Then the man takes the goat. And it says it is taken out to the wilderness to a desolate place. What the word means in the Hebrew is where there's no living thing there. So whatever this place was, and they released the goat into the wilderness. And in the Bible, it says and uses the term scapegoat. How many of you have used that term in your own lives? It says that is the scapegoat. All these people sinned. The sin was put on the scapegoat, and the goat left. In this situation... The one goat atoned for the sins like Jesus did and covered the sins of the people, but the other goat literally removed the sins to a desolate place out from among them. They were separate at that moment. This is a picture. This is a picture of something. So so this is a very deep study. Some scholars would study just on what these principles I'm telling you for weeks but I'm just telling it. Uh, have anybody ever seen that Smarter Than a Fifth Grader or show they had on a few years ago? And I'm like, who are these people? These are like the geniuses. I don't know. Did, they, did these kids come out of test tubes? What? This is impossible. I don't know anything these kids know. But what I want to tell you is so we could break it down. 
So you just understand it as Jesus is presenting it to you in a story. Now I want to, I want you to remember what we just learned, and now I want to tell you something else to put this together about these feast times and the fall feast. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble that may not know this, but Jesus really wasn't born on December 24th or 25th. I'm sorry to tell you that. The church, you know, about 300 years after Jesus was here, they chose December 25th because they were witnessing to many pagans who were not about to give up their winter solstice celebrations. But they got this genius idea because Jesus was actually born Many scholars, many, and I believe that Jesus was born on September 29th, 2 B.C. And that was the Feast of Trumpets that year. So Jesus' birthday is on the Feast of Trumpets. The problem is that day is never the same date. So that year it fell on September 29th. But next year, I don't know how they celebrated his birthday. We don't know that, but we know that. So now think about this. When Jesus, so that's why we have this manger up here, because God comes to release gifts. What happened during that season? When Jesus was born, you know, it wasn't too long after that, the wise men came, there were gifts being given. It was the reason we want to give to right now. I have this urge to give. I just want to give till there's just, I mean, just I want to ooze it. That's why. Because God came at the Feast of Trumpets on 2 B.C. to give mankind the greatest gift the world has known. Now, don't get too upset about the December 25th date because if you do the math, it's nine months They picked that day close to the winter solstice, and they used it. You can see it on certain calendars. Definitely the calendar, uh, the Catholic Church calendar has it on there. It was when Jesus was begotten in Mary's womb. If you look at those dates, nine months later, December 25th, around that time, brings us to September 29th, 2 BC, nine months later. Do you see that? Okay. I know this is exciting, and some of this may be new to some some of you. I know some of you are real Bible scholars out there. You make me nervous. But uh, anyway, um, now, we've kind of talked about that. So we see that his birth was associated with the fall feast. Come on. He was birthed on trumpets. Now I want to talk about atonement. Jesus represents these two goats. This is just another witness, you see. When Jesus took the guys back to the five books of the law, he began to explain these things to them. The first goat that was sacrificed, you know, represented the atonement, the first work of Christ. These two goats represent the two works of Jesus Christ, 
His first work we're all familiar with is the cross. The second work is when Jesus comes back. Jesus is returning to the earth. And when he, the first time at Passover, he covered our sins. But when he comes back, and he is the type, this is a type and shadow of Christ, when he returns, he will be coming to remove sin. The curse will be broken. People will be coming out of the resurrection life. There will be people receiving glorified bodies. Justin Perfect will be returning with, with Christ. And when, when the sins, when Jesus removes sin from creation, that's in Romans 8 it talks about all creation is groaning for the, for the sons of God to be revealed. The sons of God are what we also call the man-child that you talk about, you read about in, that, in Revelation, in the book of Revelation. And he will be removing the curses, and he will be removing sin from the earth. How awesome is that? And he's taking it over here to the man standing ready. Who is? Who would that be? It is the bridegroom's, it's, it's the... Uh, bridegroom's best man, so to speak, it is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is taking all sin and all curses from the earth and removing them, removing them for a thousand, almost a thousand years. Other things will be happening and we're not talking about that. Now, I want to tell you another couple secrets about atonement. Just little revelations that you might not have known. They're mysteries. All the things we are discussing are mysteries. And these studies have been done with rabbis, the history that goes back, Josephus, other books and ancient writings that we have that can confirm these things that might not have been included in our Bible. Our Bible is the Holy Word Scripture. I'm not saying that. But there's other books that were written and spared for our knowledge that as scholars we can seek the Lord and then speak to him to give us understanding. Many mysteries are hidden from us until God... Have you ever read the Bible, a verse or something you've read all your life and suddenly... You're like, I never saw that before. Have you done? I've, I've seen you shake your heads. I was like, where was this? I, did, I didn't read this. Where, where did this come from? Okay, so now I want to tell you a little story about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus born in trumpets. How many of you know, how many know, how old was Jesus when he started his ministry on earth? He was 30 years old. The age of a priest. Thirty, you at thirty you could be called in officially to the priesthood. And we know that Jesus is our high priest. At thirty years old, this young man. I look at how old are you, brother? Twenty-seven. Look how young he looks, and he's handsome. And Jesus was only three years older than him. And guys, I want to tell you, I looked up, I googled, uh, or I looked up on the Weather Channel. You want to know what the temperatures are in Israel right now? 
Well, they're not as cold as here. It's pretty warm over there. It's, uh, they did have a cold day the other day. It was shocking me. It was in the 60s. But then it was jumping right up in the high 80s and the 90s. It's hot. It's like desert land over there. And this is the season. So think about it. It's warm. It's hotter than here. Think about the hottest day we just had in the summer. Jesus was born at a warm time during that census when all the people were coming in for the feast. And that's why they went. Uh, there were all, Everybody was coming in from wherever they were. That's why they appointed that census for his birth in September because they knew these people were coming in anyway. You know, they, they want to get more taxes or anything else they got going. But that's why they went to Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary. Well, 30, days, 30 years later, they're going to be celebrating as a family. Their son, their firstborn, is 30 years old. And he's destined for the priesthood. They have a big celebration. I don't know which day they celebrated it on, but I would imagine we know it's going to be close, close to the day that he was born on. They're going to be celebrating trumpets. And if that year his birthday was on, I've, we've celebrated just one recently, September 29th, was trumpets. I think it might have been last year or the year before the actual day that Jesus is born on trumpets. If the dates change. He has a birthday celebration. So what's he going to do next? It tells us he got baptized. So after his birthday, there's ten days between trumpets and atonement. And I believe... This is what I personally believe, and other scholars and other doctors and theologians believe as well. We can't say it. It doesn't say on the Day of Atonement. But if we look at how Jesus fulfilled the laws, he said, I came to fulfill them. As soon as he turned 30, he went to be baptized. He went to the Jordan River. I believe it could have been right there at atonement as another fulfillment and another witness for the people of the day. They would know that was a significant time in all of their lives that he went, you know, on that eve right around atonement to be baptized. And what else happened right after that? So I want you to, the reason I say it's strong for me is this. If Jesus was the type and shadow for the second goat, okay, he goes and he gets baptized. Okay, you were baptized. Many of you were baptized. What were you baptized in? You went under the water. You were baptized unto death. You came up out of the water. We're baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. But right after that happened, what does the scripture tell us? Read these stories. You go home and you dig this. You come back. You find something different, you come tell me. I know you're not going to, but if you do, or you might find something else. You might get a greater revelation. What happened? The Holy Spirit immediately led him where? 
Where did that second goat go? It was sent out to the wilderness. And the Holy Spirit took Jesus, the type and shadow of the second goat, and he drove him to the wilderness to be tempted and tested. You see, you and I are going through all these laws, all these appointed times through your life. Many of you have told me about the great tests you've been through just in the past week. You might be concurrent, you know, going through them right now. We're being tri- trials. Sometimes we are fraught with temptations. Praise the Lord, Jesus got through them all. Do you see this beautiful story? Do you see the overshadowing now and even the more importance of the Day of Atonement? Remember last week, we heard God said in his word in Leviticus 23 that he was adamant about the Day of Atonement. It was so important. If you read Leviticus 23, he said... And, and if they don't, if they don't, I, I want no work done on that day. Everything is stopping on that day. Because, folks, someday we will have a fall feast fulfillment of that day. And every knee is going to bow. Come on. They will know in that ten days of awe that God is who he said he is. And there is no other God. Jesus is who is the Son of God and the Holy Spirit. And in Leviticus it says, and if, if, if anybody breaks this, um, they'll be cut off. They'll be come, cut off from the people. And then he goes on, he doubles it. He goes, and, and, and they will be destroyed. In other words, it's, uh, they use the word destroyed. They will be eliminated. It won't be just like, go stand in the corner, Johnny. I don't know where you're going to be, but, you know, that was what God was saying. He was telling them, this day is so holy, and this day is so important. And it's going to be a very, it's important now, and it will be to all of us in the future. Because these fall feasts are associated with the return of Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, Jesus, when the disciples asked Jesus, um, when are you coming back? And Jesus said, no man knows the hour. No one knows the day nor the hour. Right? Only, the, not even the son. He said, not even me. Only the father knows. Now, if you had been alive in that time, you would have understood, you would have understood what Jesus was really saying. They had an idiom, a saying in that day. It was associated with the Feast of Trumpets. Because the way they determined what it was, what day it was going to be, depended. You'll read this in the Old Testament. The priests would go out to the mountain and they would go up and they would watch stars. They would look for the moon, and they were to look for the silver sliver, first silver sliver of the first moon of that month. But what happens if it's cloudy and you can't see the stars of the moon? Then they were to go back down, and they were to come to the next night. If it was still cloudy, they went back. But the word 
God told them if it still was cloudy by the third night they went up, they would mark it. It wouldn't go beyond that. Okay? That's how they knew. So this was a saying in Jesus' time, and for millennia, no man knows the day nor the hour. It was associated, it was a priest thing, when they would all be looking for when the day would be. So we read that and we interpret that a little differently. But I want to tell you and bring it into what Jesus was referring to, and they had understanding of that. Okay? Now, one more thing about atonement. Write down this note, Leviticus 25. You think you've heard all about it in 16, and then he talked about it. He talks about atonement in three places. This day is associated with something else. And these are the laws of the second coming. This is the third witness that these fall feasts are associated with the return of Jesus Christ. No man knows the day. No man knows the hour. We don't know the year. But we know the season. We know the season. And what I want to say is in Leviticus 25, please read it. In Leviticus 25, I don't think any of you have ever talked to me about this, and so I want to share it with you. So they celebrated atonement every year on that day. But God said, on this particular day, I want you to celebrate it for 49 years like you're doing. You're going to have fasting, and you're going to humble yourselves, and you're going to do all this. But on the 49th year, that is seven groups of seven years, you're going to not fast. You're not going to do that. That year, you are going to blow a ram's horn. He was specific. He doesn't say a trumpet. He says, you will blow a ram's horn that year on that day and you will declare a jubilee. What jubilee means is it is a creation. That 50th year, the next year, you don't even work. You've got a whole year off. You don't work. You eat off on whatever he's given you in the years before. You share the food with one another. You don't work in the field. You don't do any work. You have a whole year off of rejoicing. If you lost something, if you lost land, it's given back to you. If you owe debts and you owe a giant mortgage, it's canceled. If you own school loans, it's over with. If you've got a car loan, it's done. Come on. If you're in prison because of debt, see, debtors, debt and debtors also equal sin. It's canceled. It is mercy. It is forgiveness in such a manifestation. This is a jubilee that will come on this day. And we know that many say when Jesus comes back, everything is going to change. There is a creation jubilee. The curse is lifted. The debt, All debt is removed. Sin is not just covered. We're not just righteous in Christ because we have faith and believe in him and the blood has been shed. It's literally done. 
You're not struggling with sin every day. Is this amazing? Are you excited about this? These feasts tell of that day. And then we come, as I'm ending here, then we come with all of that that comes with that. Just think about that. If it had been this year that Jesus made his way back. All we're doing is dress rehearsals for the wedding feast, the great marriage supper of the Lamb. There's the Feast of Tabernacles that's coming, the Feast of Booths in all creation, the stars and the heavens rejoicing that the bride and the, the bride has said, and the Spirit has said, come, Lord, come, Lord, come, Lord. And there is the marriage feast of the Lamb, the marriage feast of the Lamb. And we have this great celebration in earth, and they're releasing the millennial age and the teaching and the teaching, it, you know, I was always amazed. Why does it take a thousand years? Uh, you know, we know the millennial kingdom will reign for a thousand years. And it really doesn't reign all that long because it, it's 20 years before the end of it, Satan is released from the bottomless pit. I forgot to tell you all this other good stuff is going on because we don't have time to talk about it all. But, you know, Satan is bound for 980 years. That was his only sentence. As I've told you before, I thought it was way too short. And I said, why is his sentence so short? There's even people that have committed crimes with that many years if they, if they added all their sentences up in these heinous crimes. And he said, I said, you're a just God. I just think he needs to get a little more down there in the pit. I really want to be there on that day. You know, a lot of people are out there protesting, holding signs. I just want to be there to see when he's cast into the bottomless pit. But then he's released for 20 years at the end of the millennial reign to test the hearts of mankind that are left at that before the final end there. But um, what? Oh, Oh, I asked him why. And he said, because he didn't do the crime. He got you to do it. He got 980 years for whatever he did do. But for all the things that he has tempted mankind to do and overtaken them. These are the debts. Imagine how long my sentence would be. I don't even want to think about it. Definitely. But instead of a sentence of damnation, each one of us here that know Jesus have been given eternal life and being set free forever and ever and ever. Like I said before, you're stuck with me. I know I'm, a, I'm not easy to get along with all the time, but you're stuck with me anyway. I'm your sister. It's going to be forever. We're doing this thing together. And I love you dearly. There is an atonement jubilee coming when the man-child will be birthed into the earth. And they will be revealed. The overcomers who have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Many of you have got big fights going on, things to overcome. That's why. You know, I know some Christians that nothing ever Everything is just like, la, 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 la. I don't know, but I'm an overcomer. I'm overcoming every day. 
And if you've been called to this ministry, you probably are too. You've overcome great things, and we have great testimonies to share of our God. Our God is so wonderful. We adore him. I love the song, Come All You Faithful. We sing it at Christmas, but I love to sing it. I sing it at my house. Lonnie's going, oh, my gosh, the Christmas songs are coming out, Kath. You know, we sing those at Christmas. But it's Jesus' birthday. Oh, come. But bow down before him. I love, come, let us adore us. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Don't you love that? Doesn't it just do something in your heart? It's time to come and to adore him during the season. So I want to bless you all of that. It's all about forgiveness, the Feast of Atonement, in so many ways than we ever knew before. So look forward to these things. Don't miss it. Don't let anybody talk you out. If the boss says, stay late, say, boss, I love you, man, but come to church with me. Can I catch up on this later? I'll work through my lunch tomorrow. I just got to be with the people of God in the house of the Lord tonight. So the feast starts September um, 23rd. For you who are watching here today, you can watch it. We're going to live stream it too, I believe, uh, on some of the nights. So we're just just like we do um, every Sunday. And we will have sets of cassettes, or not cassettes. Oh, my gosh, that's really dating me. Uh, CDs, 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 uh, CDs. Uh, if you want something hard copy, you never know. When digital has a problem, there's issues. So I do like my hard copy stuff. I really do. And uh, so we just bless you all. We invite you. You are. It's the invitation. God has prepared a banqueting table for us over the next week and a half. It's just awesome. Just I pray for you to receive everything that God has for you in these days. And may this word, his word, be sealed to your spirits forever and ever. And if you get revelation on any of this, I want to hear it. You just call me up, send me text, send me an email. I love you all dearly. Is there anything else before we? We are going to bring our offering. Um, and we just love you all dearly. And God bless.